0: Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is the big show presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. And the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Uh, 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 this uh, is 97.5 uh, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. <laughs>
1: It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk a little Utah Jazz. Uh, Your Jazz Insider Report presented by Cypress Credit Union. With the lowest fees and quickest keys, Cypress has the home loan product that is perfect for you. Visit any Cypress branch or cypresscu.com for details. Out to the zone phone we go. Joining us now is my co-host on Jazz pre-, half- and post-game coverage. He's our good friend Tim Lacombe. What's going on, Tim?
2: What's going on, guys? It's, uh, it's been a minute. Hopefully things are well. I've, I've had quite a week, my friend, in real, real life. So uh, I'm glad that uh, you guys were able to pick up for me the other night, and you're going to have to again tomorrow. But I'll be with you Saturday, Jacob. All
1: right. Well, we, uh, we appreciate your work, Tim. No problem. Gordon, uh, by the way, Gordon did a great job uh, filling in. I, I made the joke a couple times that, you know, when, when Tim Lacombe misses, we bring out the big guns.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's not much of a uh, – I, I, it's bad when you, when I'm gone and I have bigger shoes to fill when I get back. That's hard. Oh, yeah, right.
3: Uh, Tim, you do a great job, and we're looking forward to having you back. So uh, thanks for joining us now.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: So, Tim, Jordan Clarkson now probable uh, for tomorrow's game against Indiana. He missed four games. Let's talk about what they missed in his absence and uh, how uh, what he's bringing coming back.
2: Well, I think everybody understands that Jordan is really, really aggressive, and he's aggressive from the minute he gets on the floor. Um, You know, I think at times while Jordan was out, you know, we actually might have had a shot clock violation or two, um, and that's never really going to happen. He definitely knows his, his role. So I think just the pressure he puts on, the stability he adds to that second unit, the spacing by virtue of, what he, you know, his reputation, the spacing is better when he's out there. Um, And I really think he, you know, he's been uh, trying to find it a little bit. He's had good games and tough games, but man, for him to get back in that zone again uh, like he was like February would be, would be really awesome. So hopefully he's feeling better rested up and be able to, to kind of hit the ground running.
3: Tim, he was talking earlier about uh, some of the injuries he's had, and he talked about a cracked a cracked hand, a bone in his hand or something and how he uh, fought through that and how these things happen on the reg. As a coach, did you see players who reacted differently to injuries? Could some play through the same injury that others could not? And how, what did you see?
2: Yeah, for sure. It, um, I think really it's uh... – just like anything, there's a pain tolerance, you know, and there's a ability to kind of get through certain things. And I, I, what I found was, you know, I didn't find it as guys being tough or soft. I kind of thought as guys who had at the end of the day, they just had uh, a better ability to deal with pain than others. Um, I think that, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely the norm right now, this time of year for guys to be nursing a whole lot of stuff. Um, I found it comical the other night when Rudy picked uh, Boyan up off the floor with his bad wrist and about had had to have him have another surgery, the way Boyan reacted. Uh, but there's, everybody's dealing with something. And the interesting article that was written yesterday, the day before, I don't remember the source, but talking about just the load that this season's been on the players, you know, the games are really condensed. They're playing four games a week and it's real. So, uh right now it's kind of you know survival of the fittest who can who can actually stay healthy be rested and actually get better as the playoffs come around
1: Tim I'm curious uh, you know the condensed schedule has become a big story this week in uh, the jazz we're definitely feeling the effects I mean they they needed this uh, two-day rest period because they played you know five games and seven nights just you know so many games Joe Ingles talked about it uh, this morning and uh, I'm curious, did you, when, uh, did you ever talk to any of your college guys about what a dramatic difference it was playing so many more games at the professional level? I mean, college players play, what, like 30 games a year max, and to go up to 82-plus uh, has got to be a huge uh, adjustment. And i got to imagine now that the, the schedule's condensed even more, that's taking a similar adjustment, right? But did you ever talk to, talk to players about making that adjustment when they went to the next level?
2: Yeah, for sure. I remember. So when I was uh, shortly after Keith Van Horn left Utah and went to, uh, he was playing in New Jersey. They came through, and I was actually living at the time in Texas, and I actually went and did the swing Dallas Fort Worth, or excuse me Dallas Houston and San Antonio um, with Keith, and just kind of hung out with them at each city and went to the games and kind of got a snapshot of what it's like. But I remember him telling me they were about probably a college season in at that point and he was just telling me how you know because they're still practicing too right um they're 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 busy all the time those 82 games are real and you know he wasn't even halfway through his season and he played already more games than we played in college any any year so um it's definitely a major adjustment it's it's something i mean I, i will say this even from a broadcasting standpoint um you know i i, I definitely hit the, the college wall i i've done on as many games as i've ever been in a year and you know jake you're looking back at me like a marathoner like come on youngster keep up <laughs> uh, but even for us it's it's a torrid pace you know
3: well just climb in that wagon and jake will
2: just pull pull you along you know that's that's well oh, there's does. no doubt he's like yeah. he's riding the bike like and I'm in the basket like E.T. <laughs>
3: <know> <laughs> so, so Tim, as you've observed so many jazz games, uh, at this point in time as they head into the stretch run of the regular season, of all the things you've observed, obviously some strengths, what are the weaknesses? What are, What's something that the team needs to improve upon in order to, uh, to
2: fulfill its uh, intentions? You know, I think that there's no mistake that you know when they're making shots they're and and they can run that offense and get those open looks with their feet set i think it makes all the difference in the world um so i think shot making is a big one for this team and it's not just uh a couple of guys i think for for the jazz to do what they want to do everybody's kind of got to get back into that that rhythm again that that they were in and i know we talked ad nauseum, is it sustainable? And the answer is probably no, you know, it's probably not sustainable to do that for an entire year, but you have actually done it this year with this group of guys. And I think that's what you build on and everybody, you know, mentally just tries to get back to the very best they can be as playoffs roll around. Um, The other piece is just kind of the, the ebbs and flows of the defense and, you know, the, I think they've got great plans in place and, you know, I think obviously Rudy's a huge difference maker on the defensive end, Um, you know, putting up historic numbers, you know, with him on the floor defensively, but it's going to take a great effort from the rest of the guys. And we've seen guys, you know, we've we've seen the jazz get torched a little bit at times. Um, We've seen rebounds, you know, and effort plays really hurt them. And so I think that those are things you've got, you know, that focus to the defensive end, because, the, them getting stops and getting out, they're they're one of the best in the league at running on a miss. Um, and I think that that's going to be a huge advantage where they, they can get easy baskets. That's going to be a big piece of this. The only way they can do that is they play good
4: defense.
1: What is there a, uh, for real good defenders, is there kind of a, a common thread or a mentality or something? I, I ask because you, when you look at a player – and and I'll use Donovan Mitchell here, but he certainly is not alone, but a player that's got all these athletic gifts and you think that they could be a better defensive player. And, again, not that Donovan's bad, but that they could be elite. You know, what? I guess what makes really great defenders really great defenders on, pos, uh, on top of just being special athletes?
2: I think there's a level of understanding. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that it's something that just like you acquire – a little better touch, you know, around the basket, or, you know, you work in the weight room to work on your body. I think there is a part defensively that's just sheer understanding um, of how rotations work and really anticipate what's going to happen next. And I think that as you see guys in the league, we talk about crafty veterans all the time, but I think that that's one of the components. Obviously you've got to have the ability um, to keep guys in front of you. I don't think that's an issue with this team. I think – the other piece is there needs to be a, a five-man focus at all times. Um, and really, I think that's sometimes where the ball gets dropped, you know, with any team. Um, to have five people constantly on the same page. The one advantage you with the Jazz have is Rudy really kind of does the work of two guys. Um, he can do so much and impact the game so much uh, in an area of the floor. So to me it's just really everybody else locking in, understanding the game plan to a T, not making little mistakes that are going to cost you ball games and doing the fundamental things like blocking out every time. Um things that, you know, at the end of the day it, it differentiates those that, you know, have rings and those that don't. It's it's being able to constantly and focus on the little things, you know, and then obviously do great things from time to time.
3: Does it surprise you, Tim, that the Jazz rank first in the NBA in total rebounds? Not at all.
2: Uh, and, and I say that, I, I, it would have surprised me if you had told me that at the start of the year. But I think Jake and I have alluded to it a bunch. I, I mean, Rudy is Rudy's a dominant rebounder. And, um, and then I think what everybody else has done is really up their game, it, starting with Royce O'Neal. Um, I think Royce has been... You know, basically, Johnny on the spot, offensive rebounds when they need them, uh, and then he's really cleaned up the defensive glass. Uh, and then everybody else has kind of done their part. You know, we talk about it all the time. There's always Rudy, who's typically the master of the glass with, you know, four or five rebounds more than everybody else. And you just kind of see maybe a guy, say Rudy has 15, a guy has nine, and then there's four or five guys with five, six. And really, that's the mentality of this team, and I like it. It's, uh, it's working, and so I'm not surprised now, but I would have been surprised if you told me that start the year.
1: Tim, I want to ask you a college basketball question, um, but uh, what did you think about Arizona hiring Tommy Lloyd, uh, the longtime Gonzaga assistant?
2: Well, I thought it was, you know, the, all the drama and intrigue, and I guess it's just how the, our world is now. Everybody's got to have you know, an opinion on it uh, before it even happens. Um, but I will tell you this. This is, this is what I know. Uh, I've known Tommy for a long, long time, and there, there aren't many smarter guys. Um, I think he has the ability in a short period of time to sum up what a situation calls for. I think he has a great understanding of people and players. And I honestly believe, you know, he's going to put a, a really, really good staff together in, in an awesome place. That's just hungry, you know, to get back behind their team. I think he's going to absolutely knock it out of the park. Uh, I think we'll be talking about Arizona and Arizona dominance for a while. I just think Tommy has that sort of um, uh, magnitude, you know, and charism- he has so much charisma and he's so charismatic. He's just a, uh, He's a phenomenal guy. Great coach.
3: Along those same lines, Tim, uh, let me ask: if I were to to for you, if ask you to slim down to the top three college coaching jobs in the West, which ones would you pick?
5: Man,
2: um, so you're talking? You just what I feel like are the three best? Yeah. Um, let's see. I think you probably have to go UCLA. Um, I think just, you know, the history of college basketball, you know, what they were able to do this last year uh, and, the, and what, that, what doors that opens for you. So I'd say UCLA is one of them. I'd probably say Gonzaga would be one of them, and I'd probably say Arizona's the third. The only,
1: the only one I might uh, consider there, Tim, or what, about a, what about a spot like Oregon where you have the backing from, uh, from Uncle Phil? A spot like Good
4: that.
2: Good point. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. I, uh, I just would rather live in Tucson than, than uh, Eugene. <laughs> That's just me, though. So, And you may ask somebody else, and they may say Oregon, and I think Oregon probably fits for sure with one of those. I just love the tradition of UCLA. And the fact that it's right there, you know, in la-la land. Uh, and then I'm a huge Gonzaga dude because of Mark. And then, uh, yeah, Tucson for me is more my speed. And what would be the worst, do you think?
1: The worst job in the West.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, worst job in the West. I went to some college. I can't even remember. It was a junior college in, in Arizona and it was right on the border of Mexico, and we flew in there. Coach Rose and I went to see a kid who was... Uh, we had to sign a kid late, so we had to go see a bunch of junior college guys, and we jumped on a plane, and we flew... To, it was Cochise. Cochise College in Arizona. And it was, we, we got off the plane at the private airport and got in a car, started driving, and the Border Patrol came by like 75 cars chasing this truck. And... You know, we walked, went through some pretty tough parts of town, drove to the college, and I was like, I don't think, Coach, this is where you and I need to end up. So I'd probably say, from my experience, that spot that day might be was. the worst. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tim, and thank- nothing against Coach East, I'm sure it's a great spot, but it no, well, wasn't not my ideal. Cup of tea that day. Yeah,
1: I get you. Yeah. Uh, Coach, you're the best. Thank you, as always, for jumping on with us, and uh, I'll see you on Saturday.
2: Sounds great. Thank you, guys. And thanks for filling in for me, Gordo. No problem. Thanks, Tim. Hi, yo. Okay, see
1: you. There you go. That's our friend Tim Lacombe, uh longtime BYU assistant coach, my co-host, Jazz pre, half,
3: and post. So you think UCLA, Gonzaga, and Arizona, huh?
1: I don't know. Is is Gonzaga a great job because it's a great job, or is it a great job because
3: because Mark Few has had so much success? So. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's hard to argue with UCLA, though, isn't it? I know the downside is. uh, I I I suppose the ghosts still linger there.
1: Well, the downside is you're located in L.A.
3: (laughs) Westwood. I love L.A. It's
1: it's the same.
3: (laughs) What do you mean it's the same?
1: It's the same.
3: No, different parts of L.A. are quite different one from another.
1: Okay, but when the name of the school is the University of California, Los Angeles, and not to mention when somebody mentions Real Salt Lake, Gordon, you correct them and go, actually, it's Sandy.
3: (laughs) No, but it's just I'm sorry.
1: Salt Lake and Sandy are very different places. Uh, Let's let's get it right.
5: No. Uh, to Gordon's uh, defense, where is it? Where is UCLA Brentwood? Westwood. Oh, Westwood. Westwood. Sorry, Westwood's not Compton. No, it's also not Brentwood. Very true, but really, really in the Los Angeles
1: area. No.
3: Yeah, but it's it's. It, no, it, different places are night and day. As far as. Where it would be nice to live. Okay, come on, Jake. It's Polly Pavilion.
1: <laughs> like the like the parrot, Polly. <laughs> like as in want a cracker. The same, the same one. Is you that what they want to
3: No. How much time have you spent in LA, Jake? Because you seem to have an attitude.
1: Enough is the answer to that.
5: I don't think Jay I don't think it's that Jake dislikes LA. He likes LA constantly telling you I'm from LA, I'm LA, yeah, I yeah. love LA. Right. The the
1: elitist kind of attitude about it all.
5: You kind of just
3: described my wife.
1: Well, I'm not thinking of I your wife. I didn't mean
3: to. Although she has since since we moved to Utah, she loves it here.
1: That's good. Know? It's a great place to live. Yeah, but yeah, but, I, I,
3: I, but L.A. It, 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 the, the main problems with Los Angeles, as far as my experience there, was uh, the traffic could be could be difficult, and there were times I lived in smog, California. California Four hundred five is a mother. The smog could could get, catch up with you a little. Did, bit wait, did there,
1: you say man. smog or smug? Smog. The smug smog, smog the, or the smog smog. The smog is also an issue.
3: Yeah, well. but there are but there are some beautiful things about the place, and so anyway. All right. Well, and they UCLA look beautiful would be a in my
5: rearview mirror. It's an affordable place, extraordinarily so. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it's the old joke. Sure How do is. you know somebody who's lived in L.A.? They're going to tell cross- you about it. it. You know that this before you know the name.
3: <laughs> this is a CrossFit joke.
1: No, oh, I think it's a joke that's been used across many. Uh, different things but it is certainly true about actually not la I let me take that back how do you know somebody who's lived in southern california because they're going to tell
5: you about it
3: wait a minute there are a whole lot of nor- north uh, northern california snobs i mean come on
5: i'm telling sam amick you said that
3: <laughs> well he lives in sacramento that's a little different
5: how so that's
3: northern california it is northern california yeah but that's that's they're not. They're not quite as open-y in Sacramento.
1: That's a that's a smug take right there.
5: <laughs> He's in the poor that's, part of the that, that, Cal-
1: that is extremely <laughs> elitist. Like like inside California elitism, right there.
5: Sacramento's the Idaho of California. <laughs> Barely can I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Idaho has some. People
1: would boys. never tell you they're from Sacramento because they're ashamed. <laughs>
3: No, no. I I know some people really liked living in Sacramento, so it was good for them. You're from
5: Sacramento. <laughs> I thought I smelled something.
1: Stay tuned. More big show coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 of the Zone.
0: This is DJ and PK.
1: Joined now by Thor Nystrom, he writes for NBC Sports Edge, covers the NFL Draft, Zach Wilson's climb up the draft board. If he goes number two to the Jets, like everyone seems to think he is, how much faith do you have in the Jets going forward?
0: Yeah,
2: that's a tough question historically to ask anyone. As far as the decision with Wilson, you had to pay a prohibitive cost to do that transition from Sam Darnold to Wilson, right? There's a little bit too much risk in Wilson's profile for me personally to have been willing to pay that price, but I certainly understand Where they're coming from, you don't see players with that kind of an arm come into the league every year. It was lasers everywhere. The jump up he took, I would understand wanting to take the future of my franchise on that arm.
0: Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: All right, let's get out to The Zone phone. Joining us now, our friend Matt Williams from Pulse Medical. Matt, let's help out our listeners who might be uh, struggling a little bit in the bedroom.
4: Sure. Absolutely. You know, um, the best time to, uh, you know, get your ED fixes now, you know, we have a lot of patients who, uh, you know, have been interested for, for years. Uh, We have a great technology. It's non-invasive. We are getting phenomenal results. Uh, We have the best protocol, um, best results. And, uh, you know, we work with our patients on, uh, on pricing. So uh, come on in, you know, we're not Wasatch, we're different. Uh, And uh, we, uh, we do everything, um, you know, we, we feel the right way. And there's probably a,
1: a lot of guys out there are looking for an alternative to the traditional, uh, you know, treatments for this whole thing, right? Because they that carries a whole lot of uh, extra baggage.
4: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of side effects to medications. Pharmaceutical companies have dominated your know, medicine for long enough, and you know now we have something that uh, restores the body naturally through using uh, sound waves, and it uses your body's ability to uh, regenerate itself.
1: All right, Matt, for those folks out there listening and and thinking, uh, you know, now is time to do something about this, what's the best way to get the ball rolling?
4: Yeah, hey, just give us a call, uh, 801-509-8888, or visit visit us us online at PulseMedicalClinic.com.
1: 801-509-8888, is that correct? That's it. All right, or go to uh, PulseMedicalClinic.com. And, Matt, we always appreciate it when you can drop by the show. Thank you very much.
4: Hey, thank you. Appreciate
1: it. All right, there you go. Pulse Medical Clinic. Uh, find out on, find them online, pulsemedicalclinic.com. More next, 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone. Jig Show, Gordon Monson, Jig Scott, 975, and 1280 the zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Want to remind you about our friends at S Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof called Pound 250 and say S Roofing for your free bid. Quick PSA to the jazz fans out there. Tomorrow's game starts at 1 against Indiana. Pre-game will begin at uh, at noon.
0: Ooh.
1: And uh, you know, Gordon, uh, and they they have a day game Saturday too at two thirty when they're
3: Ooh. in that LA. Why, is that why they pushed it forward? Though
1: I honestly have uh, I know tomorrow's is on ESPN at some sort of ESPN showcase. I have no idea why the, or uh, Saturdays. Tomorrow's at one. I have I honestly have no idea. Somebody could probably tell me why the game is is early tomorrow. It's on NBA TV. I don't know if they're doing some day long showcase or or something. But I like I, I like play. the concept of afternoon games. Honestly,
3: yeah. But they couldn't play Friday night and then, and then Saturday And
1: maybe afternoon. that's the reason, because it was a back-to-back and they had to do that. I mean, that would certainly make some sense. But I love the the Saturday afternoon games, and I know we don't play uh, Sunday home games around here much, um, but I I love the concept of afternoon games on the weekends. I don't know why they don't do more of those.
3: But on a Friday?
1: On a Friday, you know, it's hard for people to get out of work and go to go to games or to watch them or whatever. I, I would understand why they wouldn't do many of those. I know they do uh, day games on Martin Luther King Jr. Day and uh, have done that for, for a long time. But, you know, a lot of folks have that, uh, that day off work. So you can still consume the, consume the product. But I, I wish they do more afternoon games on the weekends. I don't know why they don't do that.
3: Well, uh, the good news is you get tomorrow night off.
1: Yeah, that, that is nice. You go home and have movie night yeah. with, my, uh, with my daughter. It sounds pretty cool. Okay.
3: Get reacquainted.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's very nice. I just, I, I mean, I remember going to day games uh, with my father when I was a kid, and it was great. And you come back out, and it's, uh, you know, still daylight out. Um, I, you know, I, they just don't, unless it's national television, they just don't do day games anymore.
3: So, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jordan Clarkson will play tomorrow?
1: Yeah, sounds like it. Okay, but I'm I'm not his doctor there, Gordon, but I mean. He's probable, and he talked about it today. How he feels like he can give it a go. So I would guess that's the case.
3: Anybody miss Doak?
1: Miss like uh, you think he were, the Jazz are missing his impact?
3: No, I I, I just you know, I don't know. It's hard to develop when you're hurt.
1: Um, I don't know how much. Well, first of all, his injury—it's really too bad and very. Uh, a good thing, very much that he wasn't hurt more because it was kind of one of their more those more gruesome injuries. But I don't know how much developing he'd be doing now, anyway, Gordon. Because he true. can't, you know, yeah. there's no um, G League going on right now, and I, I certainly don't think he'd be getting any sort of meaningful playing time for the club. So I don't know yeah. how much developing he'd really be doing.
2: Well, uh,
3: I I don't know. Somehow, yeah, it's good. That's that's a good point, actually. You know, well, it was much... we
1: were talking about Jarrell Brantley uh, the other day. Yeah. A, and uh, how much he was dominating the G League, and he really relished the few minutes that he got in the other night. What did he play, Gordon? 20? Did he play that many? Was it 20 22, minutes? 22, I think. Yeah, how he was really relishing that, but and I don't blame him because he probably hasn't played hardly at all. I mean, it's not like the Jazz are practicing either.
3: They're not having a whole lot of time for that. Uh, but still, there's moments of instruction, you know? So I suppose... Is he with the team? Does he ever come up and is he around the team uh, for Jazz games?
1: I don't think so. I have not seen him. But yeah. that, doesn't, well, that I, doesn't mean he's not around the team either.
3: What I saw of him uh, when we, before he got hurt was that he, he, has, uh, he has a distance to go. You know. And we've talked about how big men usually develop a little slower uh so we'll see how it goes for him but uh i think jazz fans you know he's out of sight out of mind a little bit and ordinarily a a pick by the jazz would people would be a little bit eager to see him
5: this this might have been tomorrow might have been the rare case where you could possibly see him. Well, play favors some is, is doubtful, right? And that, oh. uh, coupled with it being the first of a back-to-back, right? And a weird afternoon game, you never know how things are going to go. But. The
1: reason I find him intriguing, honestly, and and he does have a ways to go, Gordon, because of uh, he's he's got some skill to learn, but he is a freak athlete. I mean, he is a he is a giant person. <laughs> who can really move. I mean, he, he can really move. And that's really intriguing to me because, you know, if you, if you put some work into it and some of those skills come around a little bit, he's going to be in the league for a long time. And that's kind of the, the – usually when you, you think project big man, you think of a stiff, right, a, a, a big player, a big guy that can hardly move, like a Carilla Fasinko. <laughs> you know, and and you wonder if, if they smoking can. Smoking two
3: packs a day. <laughs>
1: yeah. But that's not the case with Azubuki. That's why I, I think he's a little bit, you know, different than your late first round typical big man that they select. He's different than Tony Bradley.
3: Yeah. He he's was kind of a controversial pick, though. A lot of people, there were folks around who didn't really understand that pick. But uh, we won't really know until we see
1: If it works, they'll look brilliant. Honestly, if it works, they'll look brilliant because if he turns out to be good, he's going to be really good because the physical tools, the the physical tools are there. So if he can put in the work to hone some of the skill stuff and, and learn to play at an NBA pace, I mean, in college, he was awesome. He was the big 12 player of the year. He was really good, but he was, he was, uh, you know, magic playing against point guards, you know, he's playing against everybody who was smaller than him and he could just dominate physically and he didn't have to uh, hone his skills. And that magic joke probably does. It's not an accurate comparison. I was just trying to get your goat there, Gordon. But I think you get my point. Like in college, he was able to just beat up on everybody because he was that dominant physically. Um, didn't have to learn those skills. And now in the NBA, you know, he may be really good uh, physically, but so's the other guy. So now you have to you have to figure that other stuff out.
3: I I what I saw in him was I saw some raw skill or some raw ability there, but I I think he's got a ways to go. No doubt, right? But let me ask you the same question I asked uh, Tim: Does it surprise you, speaking of big men, that the Jazz are number one in the NBA in total rebound?
1: It surprises me. I and and Tim said he wouldn't have predicted it at the beginning of the year, but it doesn't surprise him now. I guess that would kind of sum up my opinion, surprises I, me. I suppose. I it it surprises me that they're the best in the league. Because Rudy gets a ton of rebounds, so they're not gonna be the worst right. in the league because they've got Rudy. But uh, But they're
3: but they're small other places. Right. It's but all the Royce credit O'Neal.
1: goes all the credit goes to Royce O'Neill. He rebounds above his his weight. So to
3: speak. I mean Bogdanovich isn't much of a rebounder.
1: No. Oh I mean, Royce had what did he had fourteen rebounds the other night? I mean, it's amazing how yeah. well he rebounds. And again, it's just another example of the coaches saying, Hey Royce, we're gonna need you to to yes. do something difficult, and he goes and does it.
3: I agree with that. Does it you know, I'm just I'm just looking at some of the Jazz stats. Does does it should it concern the Jazz? That they are dead last in the NBA in two-point shots and two-point makes and two-point shots attempted.
1: No, because that's entirely on purpose.
3: Yeah, I I know it is. But could that that come back to bite them in a playoff situation? Mm, I mean, dead last.
1: If they thought it would be to their advantage to take more twos, I think they'd take more twos. And well, if you're, you're going exactly to
3: right, it's 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 definitely designed this way.
1: And <laughs> if if you're leading the league in three-point attempted, when you're taking a three, guess what you're not doing? Take it a two. Mm-hmm. So that's probably there. There's probably a little correlation there, don't you think?
3: Yeah, yeah, I I get it. I get what's going on. But I I just wondered if you get out of shooting some of those twos. If if a defense is built to stop you at the three, you know, will you be able to capitalize? You know, we've we've seen it out of some teams that have just been absolutely spectacular from two point range, and that's hurt the Jazz on occasion. But do the Jazz have the ability to do that if they need to? You talked about uh, when we were when I suggested that perhaps some defense is going to jam the Jazz three point shooters. Uh, what will they be able to do about that? And you said uh, lob the ball into Rudy, essentially, or in one form or another. So I mean, but those are two point shots, right? So uh, there's not there's not a whole lot of them.
1: No, there's not. I but but you asked if I thought it would come back to bite him. I don't think so. Not that particular ranking.
3: Yeah. The other thing that stands out to me is free throw shooting. When I look at it, I mean the Jazz are in the top. Uh, Mostly, well, they're they're eighth in free throws uh, made and 11th in free throws attempted. Uh, We've talked a lot about Donovan getting to the line more and easy baskets, right? Easy points. Uh, Do you think those rankings are good enough or do you think the Jazz still need to stress that a little more?
1: I think they're good. They're in the top half of the league.
3: Well we're talking about a team with the best record in the league, so the standard the measure is a little steeper than that, right? But
5: they have their best record in the league with that rating. Yeah. What's the do you got do you have the numbers there in front of you, Gordon? Yeah. What's the difference between eighth, like you mentioned the Jazz are in uh versus say twelfth? How big of a oh, difference is that? Point oh, three, point I, four?
3: Yeah, probably i don't have i don't have that part of it in front of me but uh yeah it's but uh, yeah that's a good point i mean
5: when we're talking about the one point shots it's all gonna be jammed up right there next to each other yeah okay all right
3: all right we'll have more you bring up a a good point jake in that what the jazz are doing seems to be working okay
1: (laughs) it has all right stay tuned we'll have more next 97.5 and 1280 the zone show. Gordon Monson, it's Jake Scott, 97.5 and 12 The Zone. Good song. Yeah, it was a good choice today. Uh, Gordon going with Linda. I like it.
3: Austin gave me uh, an album of uh, Linda Rodstead. He thought it was Carly
1: Simon, but yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a mix up there, but.
5: You're so vain, I thought this record was of you. Yeah. (laughs) No,
3: it's it's the thought that counts,
5: man. So, yeah.
1: Wait, you're so vain. Did did they do? Has anybody ever figured? Is that about Warren Beatty? It is. Did they confirm that? She
5: totally confirmed it. She did? Mm -hmm. He seems like a vain guy. He seems like you'd write a song about him. Yeah, like the type of dude who's in. She was Taylor Swifting long before Taylor Swift came about. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Writing revenge songs. Yeah, I could see that. But I
1: could also, can't you see Warren Beatty being the type of the guy that's, oh, yeah. that's looking in the mirror 24-7? Oh, yeah.
5: <laughs> Boy,
3: you are good.
5: Thanks. Ever oh, walk, yeah, you have too,
3: you Have ever been walking down the street with somebody and they check out their reflection in windows and you know, car mirrors and all kinds I've of stuff? I've
1: always wondered why you did that. No, it wasn't <laughs> me.
3: No.
5: PK? Whew.
3: I wonder what Hollywood actor was the absolute is the biggest pain to work with. Uh,
1: well, uh, I don't know, but the I wonder who's the most vain Hollywood uh, actor out there. Oh, that's
5: a competition, it, but
1: because it's it's <laughs> it's got to be Warren ba- Warren Beatty's got to be close because he inspired a song with his vanity. <laughs> And that song was an incredible hit. I wonder if he's vain about the vain song that he inspired. Oh, yeah. Totally. Hey, oh, hey, you know, this,
3: this song's about me. Probably has it framed in his doorway. I am a. That's, that's what the song says, right? You probably think this song is about you.
1: I am a big enough vain jerk that even a song about me being a vain jerk <laughs> was uh, one of the uh, biggest hits in rock
3: and roll.
5: Yeah. What song is about you? Here, let's listen to this song about me. That didn't sound like a good song. It sounds like they're mad at you. Yeah, but it was about me. It was
3: about me.
1: Guess who it was about? This guy,
5: <laughs> who's got two thumbs and has a song written about him, <laughs> and inspired a mega and beautiful him. thumbs at that. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Who who had the best moment, worst moment in Oscar history? This guy. Wasn't he the one that flubbed the moonlight and la uh, la? Oh, yeah, that was Warren Beatty. I think you're right. Was (laughs) that his fault, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was because the envelope that they gave him was for Best Actress, which went to Emma Stone La La Land. And so on that paper, it said Best Actress, Emma Stone, La La Land. And that's why I forget the the lady that was with him that night. That's why she looked at it and kind of shrugged and laughed because she realized it's the wrong paper. And he just went, La La Land. Mm. So... What I are, mean, they messed up giving it to him in the first
1: place. Which was worse, that or Steve Harvey announcing the wrong? Was it Miss America? Oh uh,
5: yeah,
3: yes. Ooh. Or Miss Universe or something? I don't know what it was.
1: That one might be worse. What was the what was the genesis of that mistake?
5: Uh, well, I did just... he get the wrong card? He he, uh, he he just said the wrong name. Said the wrong are... name, yeah. Because he read the runner-up's name. Oh, it was okay. on one card.
1: Because he definitely took responsibility for it too. Because I remember, like, good for <laughs> Steve being like, "Yeah, I
5: blew that one." Woo-hoo. boy. Mm. Sorry about that. But see, the in pro- both cases, problem. you know what you do? Burn the card before anyone sees it and move right along and just pretend like La lands that was the, the right. winner <laughs> and Miss Ecuador <laughs> is Miss yeah. Universe. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: And that's how oh, it is. Man. Never tell anybody. Eat I'm it and you.
5: swallow it before anyone can look at it. Prove me different.
3: <laughs> Prove me wrong. The problem, obviously, the problem with it is, is that it affects. I mean, if you can imagine. Uh, that, that's like that university that sent out five hundred thousand acceptance uh, letters to to uh, a program that was supposed to accept thirty. And people are celebrating. Woo-hoo,
0: look, I made it. Woo-hoo, yeah.
5: No, you didn't. Yeah, but one's a beauty pageant, one's a movie, and one's real life. I don't think they're anything <laughs> yeah, close to each other. I don't other. feel bad for anybody
1: associated with the movie La La Land.
5: Or Miss America. Or uh, Yeah,
1: I mean, they got a lot going for them. I think they're going to be okay.
3: Speaking of vanity, who, who do you think is more vain, athletes or actors? Media members. Oh,
1: sorry. Sports columnists.
3: <laughs> actors or athletes?
1: Oh, probably Actors. Really? Yeah, because their whole profession is about their appearance, right?
3: I suppose you could say that. But, uh, you know, athletes make as much money, or at least a lot of them do.
1: What does that have to do with it, though?
3: Well, because, you know, when you're, when you're a big deal, I guess you think you're a big
5: deal. See, I, I might go with actor because of this argument. Athletes lose and get humbled, supposedly, every other night or right. so. Actors, not so much. They just have a bunch of people telling them how great they are.
3: I don't know, because the, there's box office flops, too, you know? Still get yeah, the but money. Vanity
1: is more about you're in love with, like, your self-image, not necessarily, like, think you're the greatest person ever. Hmm. Vanity is, like, you know who's a really vain basketball player? was Carlos Arroyo, randomly. that guy, oh, really? Oh, that guy had to, uh, um, I, I covered the locker room... This was early in the in the business, and I was really surprised because that guy had to have every single strand of hair in place <laughs> before he would talk to anybody. And he had to have the his clothes right. He had to have his jewelry on. I, I mean, he he obviously Checking his cuticles. made sure his appearance was one hundred percent where he wanted it to be before he would do a post game interview.
3: So you got to get the boons on your uh, on your finger uh fingernails just right is that what you're saying
1: oh the mo- the moon's like the like the shape
3: no yeah like the like the little the little thing that's at the base of your fingernail those are moons.
1: oh the cuticle the i've moon. never i've I, honestly and i'm not saying this mockingly i've never heard it described that way
5: well, well i have
1: the moon's
5: only vain people call him moons.
1: I guess. I don't know. I Honestly, so. never heard that.
5: <laughs> never heard that called that.
3: Real quick, you know who I think would be a, a, a vain actor, and I don't know this. This is just this is just a guess. You tell me if I'm just completely wrong. But Tom Cruise. Uh, Doesn't he strike you as a guy that seems like he's?
1: No more than any other actor. I wouldn't say. I don't know. Okay.
5: He does his own stunts. That doesn't seem like a very vain thing to do. But then again, you might say he does it for the vainness of being oh, able to does. say, I do my own stunts. <laughs>
3: that Beats me. I shouldn't have said that because I don't know whether he is, but that's what it seems like.
1: Okay. You know who seems like a vain actor? Henry <laughs> Winkler. <laughs> screams vanity. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I like this uh, staying late or staying light later, Gordon. It's nice to walk out of this building to uh, not pitch blackedness.
3: Yeah, I've always thought that. I don't know if it was just me. I'm glad to hear you say it because I always felt that too.
1: Yeah, it just it makes you feel better. Like It just makes you feel like you actually have a little bit of day left to do something. Of course, I'm going to do all, nothing but we all, go home well, and eat we, dinner. Should we
3: all bed. move to Alaska then? No. When does the sun go down up there?
1: Well, uh, some points of the year never, never, right. But that also means that on the other side of the calendar, it also never gets light
3: or <laughs> uh, warm. Or warm.
1: So I think I would pass <laughs> yeah, on okay. on that. I'm sure Alaska is is a lovely place to live, but you get paid I, to live there. Do you
5: really? You do? Oh yeah, you get uh, tax tax uh, uh, rebate kickback for just, living in just to live there. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. So it's like having a side job just. By doing nothing by but living existing?
1: there. Yeah. That doesn't sound terrible.
5: It's the only way they get people to live there. That's, In fact, that's why there's a big old military presence up there in Alaska, because they built a bunch of bases up there, which they were already getting government money anyway, but now you get a little extra.
1: Well, plus you can see Russia from there, right?
5: That's what I've heard. Yeah.
1: <laughs> old political humor from 2008. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> from 13 years ago. <laughs>
3: All I can think, when you said that, all I can think of is Tina Fey. <laughs> See, all I can think
1: about when I think about Sarah Palin is Glenn Rice.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Did that happen in college?
1: Uh, Glenn was in college, yes, and playing at the Great Alaska Shootout, and Sarah was a young television reporter, I believe, and they fell in love for a brief moment. <laughs>
3: They but f- it's wait, over wait.
1: now they fell in love for one night oh, i don't know how long it lasted gordon speaking of did you
5: see that j-lo and a-rod are no more yeah
3: yeah
1: even she doesn't want to be a timberwolf <laughs> <laughs> i stole that joke from somebody online did you? yeah
5: i can't take credit
1: for that that, that was somebody else's joke i thought it was pretty funny It's like i only date
5: winners and the timberwolves aren't that
3: didn't somebody, did what comedian said that everybody steals jokes from each other? I don't know.
5: Dane no. Cook. If you want to die on that, hill, will go right ahead.
3: <laughs> oh, I
5: thought that was I good see, enough to steal right Was there. Dane Cook blacklisted? Uh, he had a, he had a, I don't, I haven't heard from him in a long time, so I would guess, yeah, he's been blacklisted. Canceled a while ago. He got
1: canceled before canceling was cool.
3: I saw a list once of uh, supposed actors who had been blacklisted for one thing or another. And, you know, some of them had made like $500 million. So at that point, yeah, maybe it just doesn't matter anymore, right? And you know who's on that list, much to my disappointment?
5: I know. Go ahead, tell. Uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why? Does it say why?
3: I can't remember what
5: it was. Because of how he acted on the set of lame is. Is it really? Yep, he was a royal rude person. Well, uh, wasn't it?
1: Uh, wasn't it uh, Josh Brolin who worked with Russell Crowe on uh, the drug movie uh, American Gangster? Yep. Uh huh. And then worked with. Oh, why am I going? Blake spicoli? Uh, uh
5: judge oh, yeah, yeah. or uh, yeah.
1: sean penn he worked with uh-huh. him in the next movie and uh, whatever his next movie was and he came out and he said wow it was such a pleasure to work with with sean penn because russell crowe was such a uh, un-
5: incredible jerk yes yeah. insufferable yeah. i think was yeah. the
1: word yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, all right movie zone coming up next hey that's a that's a good place to tease that we'll talk to you tomorrow speaking
3: of insufferable
1: on the big show wow. 97.5 at 1280 the zone